It's time for the Give Me Zone on the ref. 11. Now this is a 12, guys. Now he's got to start worrying about qualifying for next year's Open and the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling Countess Maritimes and renting golf carts the rest of his life. We're talking PGA, college, high school, local courses, and the latest golf news. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can owe me. Now, it's time for three tremendous slouches. Well, we're waiting. Brian Vineyard, Josh Helmer, and Jackson Robottom. Rom wins the Masters Marathon. Pretty incredible, and, and to play the way I did today on Sunday, only one bogey, you know, on difficult conditions and coming in with a margin, hard to explain. You know, a lot, a lot of pride, and I'm really proud of myself from what I did. Still, really hasn't sinked in yet. I'm looking at this course, and I'm still thinking I have a couple more holes left to to win, and uh, can't really say anything else. You know, this one was for Seve. I know he he was up there helping, and healthy did. Ah, yes. Good morning. What's up, everybody? It's the Gimme Zone. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Mr. Jackson Robottom. We got ourselves a Masters champion, fellas. It's uh, the man you just heard from right there, Mr. John Rahm, who says uh, this one was for Seve. Well, you would think so. That's a uh, very touching that, that he recognized that. And it was, I believe it was on the anniversary of Seve, correct? 40 years 40 since year. Seve won his 40 second. Year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, that's the great storyline uh, within the storyline. And, you know, Josh, I got to give it up to you for, for sticking with Rory again last week. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We actually got Josh off the Rory train, Can right? Can you believe it? And guess what? He jumped right on the winning train. And, you know, you guys heard that last Saturday. He comes out and goes, okay, I'm not going with Brooksy. I'm going with Rom. And I, and I agreed with him. We look really smart right now. I and mean, We're not that smart of guys, are we? We we got it right last week, though. We, we all... I think uh, felt John Rahm would would close this thing down. Now, big takeaways from the the weekend that was. There's a lot we can react to. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the big storylines this week is is Rory McIlroy not playing in this event. So we'll get to that. It's on the docket for items to talk about. But I think we should just start with John Rahm winning the Masters. What we thought from the weekend that was at Augusta National because there's there's a lot there. I mean, you have. Phil Mickelson goes crazy on Sunday with the 65, and then uh, you had the amateur. We were all rooting for Sam Bennett, but typically when an amateur gets to that point in a tournament, or even if it's not an amateur, Brian, if it's just somebody we've not typically seen up at the top of the board, someone that hasn't really won golf tournaments elsewhere, you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, and unfortunately that other shoe did drop in the uh, the final two rounds for one Sam Bennett, and then uh, the the duel itself between Brooks Kepka and John Rahm. We we thought it was was made for theater Sunday, and it was on one half of the equation. It was not on the the other half of the equation. So those would be, I think, the three big storylines 
from uh, the, the way things closed up at Augusta. What, what catches your fancy from, from those three? The first thing that catches my fancy, Josh, is that our nice Mr. Robottom here is going to be delivering me a pizza for our wager because I did take Rom and our little side. We, we picked five golfers that week that you had to cut out or when you were third ladies' final four. And I, I took Rom with my first pick. So I am two in a row picking Masters wow. champions correctly. Two years in a row. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll concede the point. <laughs> I, I owe him a pizza. I'll, I'll get you a pretty big one. Empire Slice makes some really fine pizza. I will say, I will take a mini win, though. I'll take a mini win in the fact that all five of my players who I call made the cut. All five of them were up there and at one point in the equation some way, somehow. So I'll take a mini win there, but I'll give you the overall win with the pizza there. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, he did have a great team selected. <laughs> and because you weren't here to pick, I know. I put, so much. I put Rory on my team on your behalf, and we saw what happened. So, But to me, let's start with, the storyline, and, and you can go a different direction if you want, Jackson, but let's start with the fact that it came down to the, the duel of the two guys like we really thought. Kepka, you know, Rom. Yeah, yeah and, and Phil kind of backed his way where it got a little bit close, especially when, you know, Rom hit that, that tee ball on 18 that disappeared in the trees and then magically ricochets out where no camera saw it, but we'll talk about that later. Um did Kepka choke, or did Rom just – is he just better on that day under those conditions? It's tough. I think – I mean, Rom just beat it into submission, particularly on the weekend, especially with Saturday and Sunday playing right into his favor. We know how European conditions can get, and they can get cold, and they can get windy, it can get rainy, and that plays into the, Euro the, the average European player's favor because – Brooks Kepka is a Florida kid. I mean, he doesn't deal with the cold so much. Although mentally, I yeah, he's very very tough. But I and we saw that Sunday afternoon, especially on the back nine. It is so easy to fold from three over, on the front nine. But he battled it back. I mean, constantly. And I got to give a shout out. And you know, this has nothing to do with your, per, with your your personal like or dislike of Brooks Kepka as a person. That dude battled the entire weekend after cruising through it on. For on Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday was an absolute grind for him. And we talked about that last week at the Greens when we did that show, how great of a grinder he is. He is the guy, he's never going to back it down. Even if he does shoot a couple over on the front, he is going to find a way to stay in contention. So even after a three over front nine, he found a way to come in tied second at that eight under mark. So I got to give a big shout out there. But John Rahm just beat everybody into submission. I mean, there is no way around it. This does not say anything about the poor play of the field. It has everything to say about how good John Rahm is under the major championship pressure, particularly at Augusta this year. No, I think you got great points. Josh, so as we analyze this, it became apparent to me watching the tee shot on number one when Kepka, you know, he typically cuts the ball, so he hits it left to right. He just double-crossed and hit it in the other fairway. Ended up having a shot, made a great shot to get on the green. I think he three-putted, right? I think so. Yeah, he three-putted so. to start off. But but to me, he looked physically unnerved after that shot. That look on his face was like seeing a ghost. Did you, did you see the same thing, Josh? Well, he was never comfortable. Never comfortable in the final round. And it's hard for me to say that he didn't choke to some degree. He... he typically has been nails 
when given this situation to go close a major, he, he was perfect beforehand. N- now he's he's no longer perfect. And it, it wound up, of course, being a, a marathon weekend, right? I mean, you had to uh, finish up a round and then go play the final round. So it just it just never it was never going well for Kepka in that final set of holes. And he never found it, whether it was closing the third round and the the whole entirety of the final round. So for whatever reason, if you want to call it choking, then call it choking. But he didn't have it to to close this tournament. And that's been, again, uncharacteristic for Brooks Kepka. He's typically been the guy that given that chance to go finish and win a major championship, if not at any other golf tournament, because for some some weird reason, Kepka's been this guy that doesn't win a bunch of regular PGA Tour events or live events, though he did win in Orlando coming into this particular Masters. He's been that guy that could flip the switch and go win a major. And when given the opportunity to lock it down, he locks it down, but he didn't do that in this particular instance. So it's hard for me to say that he didn't choke to some degree. It looked like we were all set up for this amazing finish. And I want to say, I I don't have the ratings in front of me, but I want to say I saw a tweet that this was the highest rated Masters Sunday in some time, which tells me, Brian, this thing would have been, oh, it would have been amazing if uh, it was actually in play coming down 17, you know, 16, 17, 18, but it wasn't, and it wasn't that way because Kepka just simply did not play well. Well, being a guy that's played a lot of competitive golf, Josh, you know, not nearly at that level, I, I can personally relate to how your game can be nails for a couple days and then off for the next couple. And so I, I tend to agree with Jackson. I don't think Kepka choked. I just think he simply didn't have it and couldn't summon that up like he has in the past when he was a little bit off of his game. And then you've got Rom that just came in and closed the door on him, essentially. And so, you know, that's kind of my perspective on it. But, man, I'm with you, Josh, in the sense that this could have been so much more exciting had it been tied coming down with two, three, four holes left, as opposed to basically trying to decide whether Rom was going to win by three or four or five and, and whether Kepka was, you know, at one point when he got to A-man corner, you're like, if he dumps a couple in the water, he's not even going to finish in the top 12 and be back next year. Yeah. And that was been – that kind of leads you into another point as well is the fact that, you know, all a lot of the live guys played well. A lot of the live guys played Three well. Three in the top four. Three in the top four. And here's the thing. One of the other – I'm going to switch gears here for just a second, if, if you don't mind me doing that. I think the other big storyline that kind of undernoted all of this, how big is the division in golf really? I mean, from the fans' perspective, now that the live guys are out there competing in majors. Because if you, if you listen to it on the TV and you were paying attention to the extracurriculars, everybody was rooting for everybody. There wasn't some – obviously, there's going to be people who like and dislike players. I mean, that's not unique amongst even us three. I mean, the, the big thing is – how big is the division really, or is it the legislative bodies that are driving it? Well, Josh, I, you know, we'll it's a good get, question. I, I think it's a very valid question. Now, I think amongst the players, the divide really isn't much. If you go on social media and, and some of the clowns that live on Twitter, um, you know, that make these comments that really, most of which probably don't know much about golf, 
you would think there's this massive divide. And the announcers, by, you know, the way they kind of called the tournament, would make you think there's this massive divide. I mean, it almost felt like they were rooting against, you know, Kepka. But I really don't think, from a player standpoint, there's that big a divide. And I found it, Josh, really interesting. The media, the, the typical golf media, was pretty quiet about Liv getting three of the top four. It was like back page, you know, news. It got uh, buried away. Got yes. buried away in that newspaper. Well, I, I think you've posed a very interesting question, Jackson. Let's let's explore it in more detail coming up next. And then I just the generic thoughts that typically we react and discuss after a major, our latest major champion is crowned. What does this mean? For John Rahm, he made some history. We'll share, uh, obviously, just beyond capturing his second major, he made some uh, some history out there. So we'll share that with you. But the divide, is that as real? Is there as much animosity as sort of we're led to believe? Let's discuss. Next, it's the Gibby Zone. We're just underway, baby, right here on The Ref. Back with you. It's the Gibby Zone right here on The Ref. Good morning, everybody. So happy to have you alongside can you believe it? We're one week out. One week out from the uh, Oklahoma Spring Game, which that gives me a nice little segue here to tell you we will not be on the air with you uh, next week for the uh, Gimme Zone as we just surrender the stage entirely to uh, Oklahoma football. So if uh, I know there's many of you, thousands of you out there, that uh, this is dedicated Saturday programming for you. So just a friendly reminder, there will be no Gimme Zone 10 to noon tomorrow, though we, uh, we have our Crosstown Clash golf show coming up Wednesday night at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings at uh, 7 o'clock. So right here in Norman, right? Buffalo that, Wild Wings in Norman, right? You got it, right off of uh, Highway 9. So if you need your golf fix from Brian and myself and the Crosstown Clash golfers, you could get that uh, krepsports.tv. Hey, and that was great theater last year when those guys were smack-talking. These kids were smack-talking right before they went out and played. Loved it. But, you know, we've got the spring game. We're going to be at Balfour. From 10 to noon, and we're going to be at Yo Pablo also, both pre and post. And our post game will be 4.30 to 6.30. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Heisman uh, dedication set to take place. So it will be a, a big-time day at the Palace on the Prairie. Speaking of uh, big-time moments, John Rahm, Masters champion, uh, told you he made a little bit of history. We'll share that with you here, here in just a moment. I just wanted to uh, play this, though, his opening remarks after uh, winning the Masters in the media room. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's my privilege to welcome our 2023 Masters champion, John Rahm. John, congratulations on your victory. Forty years after Seve's second victory, and on his birthday, you've become the fourth Spaniard to win the green jacket. Can you walk us through your emotions the moment you sealed the victory? Hard to, hard to put it into words. Uh, obviously, we all dream of things like this as players, and you try to visualize what it's going to be like and, and what it's going to feel like. and. Uh, when I hit that third shot on the green, and I could tell it was it was close by the crowd's reaction, uh, just the wave of emotion of so many things just overtook me. Uh, never thought I was going to cry by winning a golf tournament, but I got very close on on that 18th hole, um, and a lot of it because of of what it means to me and and to Spanish golf. Right, it's, it's Spain's 10th major for a player to win the Masters, fourth, and. Uh, 
my second win, right, my second major win, it's it's pretty incredible. And, and to play the way I did today on, on Sunday, uh, only one bogey, you know, on difficult conditions and coming in with a margin, oh, hard to explain. You know, a lot, a lot of pride, and I'm really proud of myself from what I did. Um, and still really hasn't sinked in yet. And I'm looking at this course, and I'm still thinking I have a couple more holes left to, to win. And uh, can't really say anything else. You know, this one was for Seve. I know he, he was up there helping, and help he did. So pretty cool. You can tell. Look, it's the Masters. It's, it's the one that uh, I think if you polled most golfers, the majority would say pick one. And probably this is the major that, that most. Not every golfer would answer that way, I don't think, because to some Brian Jackson, maybe they'd say, you know, I want the national championship. I want the, the U.S. Open. Or European golfers, especially British golfers, might say, I want the Open championship, right? But generally speaking, I think most people would say this is kind of the Super Bowl of golf. This is the green jacket. That's the major I want. So just that alone, it would make sense for it to, to make you emotional and understand the achievement of what you've accomplished. Then you mix in the, the Spanish history here, and it was pretty cool to hear. Uh, pretty cool to hear John Romp talk about Seve and what this means uh, to his national heritage. Yo, Josh, it is fantastic, and, and I love the fact that he honored Seve. You know, one of the things Jackson and I were talking about, and, and Rom referenced it, his tee shot on 18 went dead left. And the ball magic, and he had to reload a provisional. He did. And I, the ball is actually out just short of the fairway in the rough. Nobody sees it get there. No replay of the shot. What happened? <laughs> I, I don't know. The, the good news is, even if there were some shenanigans, and I'm not here to say that there were shenanigans or there weren't, it could have very – I'm I'm here for both, right? I, it's 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 curious that it wound up where it wound up, but it's not entirely unfeasible that maybe it just caught the luckiest, you know, skip, hop, bounce, whatever redirect of all time, and ended up where it did, which was in a very favorable spot given where the tee shot was, uh, well, appeared to be headed to. That being said, even if he had to use the provisional, the tournament was over, so there was there was no real drama from that standpoint, unless it turned into this historic you know, eight shot collapse on 18, right? I mean, it was, it was going to take something horrendous for this to uh, legitimately lose him the tournament. It would, it would have to be in a horrible lie with no gaps for it. I think to have really, really mattered because he was going dead left. You're right. He needed quad. Did he not to, uh, he, he would have needed a quad on the hole to get into a playoff. Hey, and, ask John Vondeveld <laughs> to see. Yeah. They are possible they, to make it was, quad it was like, on the last hole. Like, it would have been like <laughs> winged foot with Mickelson, right? Uh, the, the the massacre, yeah, the, the collapse at winged foot was, was bad. But uh, John Rom is smart. He's not going to be overly aggressive if he doesn't need to be. He has a margin by – trust me. Uh, trust me, the Vandeveld – Lives in every open every open championship player's mind. That has set a precedent. Everyone knows that if you're in trouble, you just take your medicine. Because Vandeville was the guy who tried to be aggressive out of the creek at Carnoustie, and it did. Now, granted, he made the greatest triple bogey putt I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he made a twenty footer, but 
I digress on that point. The fact remains that John Rahm would have had to have been in the most impossible of positions, I think, to have really gooned it away. If he didn't have anything, he would have played out backwards, taken even a double bogey would have had would have had him a two shot victory. I I don't think in the long it, it is very suspicious. It is very interesting and suspect, and we can dance around it all all day long. And I think it would be fun to do that sometime. Do you do you? F- Think there were shenanigans? Do you think somebody kicked it out there? Or? I think there's a possibility. I don't know. Obvi- obviously, but I do think it's weird that no camera got it. Yeah how how does that happen? And even more suspicious to me, there was not one spotter that saw it go out that marked and said that hey you don't need to hit your provisional your ball went out. Yeah, the spotter would have been waving his flag before he hit his provisional to keep him from hitting. It had had they known it was out there. Gotcha. That's the only thing that and and. There's been no video afterwards either because you'd think that would make great video to see this thing bang off a couple of trees and come firing out there to save. Well, I mean, not necessarily save, but it took the drama out of the last hole. You know, or a patron that, well, I guess you don't get to, you don't get to walk around with your phones at Augusta? No, you don't. They are away. Okay. They so, are, yeah. yeah, you don't That's do that. That's another way to cover up the mystery out there, too. Mm-hmm. Nobody's got yeah, camera it, access. It, you know, I'm not saying it did or didn't happen. The reality is, I just, I'm shocked with all the different camera views we have in all these golf tournaments, like guys will hit it into a pine tree. And they've got it. And they've got it where it got stuck on the drive. You know, so, but they don't get that one? I know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I don't know. That's <laughs> It does make you wonder a little bit. And that we're not – if for some reason somehow anyone who – if John Rahm is listening or someone who knows John Rahm is listening – we are not taking away from his victory. Oh at all. no, the this tournament is not, was over. He this is it. not John Rahm's fault. We're not saying he got you know. There's luck involved in every player's you know four day bid for a major championship. But what we are saying is that it was a very interesting circumstance that led John Rahm's ball to be there. We are not taking away from his overall play throughout the course of the Masters because that was an incredible, incredible performance that he just ran away with over the weekend. We don't want to take away from that at all. No, would, wh- this, would this be a bigger story, though, if Kepka on 18 was sitting there at 10 under? Oh, yeah, for sure, right? I mean, because it's, it's easy to just sort of, like I said, I mean, it would have taken a quad for this thing to uh, to have mattered. But uh, and was, was Kepka at 8 on, Ke- or was he at 9 and then he bogeyed? He, he parred 18, right? He parred 18, So yes. he was at 8 yes. on, on 18. So – Again, it would have taken a quad for this thing to have wound up in a playoff. But if he's two shots better on 18, oh, man. There, there, yeah, there might be some conversation about, hey, what happened? Yeah. No, take nothing away from Rom. He's he's really – there's two guys. We were talking about Rory being in that top three. I'm not sure he is after this performance. I, just, I don't think you can just lump some him in there. And then we need to talk about him pulling out of this week's tournament Absolutely. Here in, the ne- in one of these upcoming segments because there's a lot to it. And, and what Rom really set the precedent with some of his comments on it, which I totally respect the guy. So, no, we're not taking anything away from Rom. He's the guy to beat at every major from here on. For the rest of this and year, she- for sure. You know, he's 1A and Scheffler's 1B. And until somebody else proves it wrong, those are the two. No, no doubt. And, uh, Told you that we'd share a little bit of uh, some John Rahm history with you. The the Spanish connection, that, that's a big part of this. But listen to this uh, European 
piece of history for John Rahm, which, oh, by the way, let me preface this by saying this is the ultimate media member is the real show here moment of all time. John, everybody in this room knows, uh, but on Tuesday, you shared your appetite for the history of this game and, and talked about how you like to peel back layers on what other players have done. Uh, in addition to the Spanish accomplishment, you're the first European player ever to win a Masters in a U.S. Open. So can you give huh? us a sense, Masters in a U.S. Open, no other European player has, has, has done that. So oh. can you just share, finding that out, just some perspective on that accomplishment? Okay, just real quick. Number one, again, media member that loves to get to ask this question. But secondly, John Rahm, I love that he just has – he says, what? Like, really? He's got no clue that this has happened. Okay, here's John Rahm's response. I find it hard to believe that I'm the first one. You know, there's – if there's anything better than, than accomplishing something like this is making history – so the fact that you tell me that to be the first ever to do, first European ever to do that, oh, hard to explain. Out of all the accomplishments and the many, many great players that have come before me, to be the first to do something like that, it's, it's a very humbling feeling. Uh, thank you, by the way, because I don't know how I would have found out. Uh, I still can't believe I'm the first. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It, it is. It is a pretty good duo of, of majors. The you know, US Open is about as hard a test that you're ever gonna find and you know, I was starting to think I was never gonna win a major again unless it was a Tory Pines. So to <laughs> to come somewhere that it's not like it was that long ago, but to come somewhere where I've been comfortable, you know, I kept seeing the stats of lowest score to part of the last starts and you know, how great I've done here in the past, but never really gave myself a chance to win and all I asked for was a chance and I got it, so to get that done is, I can't hope to feel anything but thankful. So pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. Oh, it was Jackson. I mean, and you got to be happy for the guy. He seems really humble. He does. And you know, the the media deal is was that a dig at Rory? Do you think the guy had a dig at Rory? Or do you just think it, he, he it just found a needle in a haystack and wanted to blow it, throw it out there? I, I think that he, yeah, he found a good statistic and wanted the quote from Rom. But I definitely thought about Rory as he was answering that too because it, it should be Rory, right? We thought it was going to be Rory. If he doesn't collapse, was it eleven when he when he collapsed in in the final round of the Masters? But uh, it should have been Rory, right? But it's not Rory, and uh, I don't know. I mean. That's that's a debate for at some point this morning. I don't know if it's ever gonna be Rory after this week. It, it's it's tough to say because we've seen him perform well, and obviously this week we saw him kind of collapse through two days. But going back to the to the media member, the guy, I don't think it was necessarily a dig at Rory, and I think if if Rory takes it personally, and again, I'll defend Rory to all the live long day. I don't mind Rory McIlroy as a person as a player, but Rory cannot be sensitive about the issue. Are you cheering for Europe in the Ryder Cup next time? No. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely not. Am I hearing that he is going to don the European gear, Josh? That's what I'm hearing. Most of my favorite players are are United are American players. I, I but I, I respect Europe because they're just it's a different mentality. It's a different type of player over in Europe, and I can respect that side of it. But Rory cannot be sensitive about this. If if Rory did listen, if Rory thinks it's a dig at him, okay. 
go out and perform, prove that. Get prove better, that, right? Yeah, just get better at Augusta. Yeah. Like, that's what you got to do. And that could lead us successfully into the quote, and we could start going into the the RBC Heritage coming in oh, this week. Man. Uh, that man. That that's that's an entire discussion in and of itself is this week. I, I want to start hour number two with that because I think it's going to be a long discussion. I do think, I, not necessarily to this specific quote, but I'm now convinced that Rory would take it sensitively. Uh, based on the way that this week played out in his decision following it. And and I love Roy. You, you know this. I'm a big Rory McIlroy fan. We know. We know, Josh. <laughs> I, I, I know that you know that everybody does. I'm very disappointed in, in what has transpired here with Rory McIlroy, but that's for hour number two. I still want to talk about the question that you posed. We teased it. Let's come back and discuss it next because the, the whole divide, is it as pronounced with the live and the PGA Tour as we're led to believe? Let's debate. Let's discuss. I can tell you one thing: it's good for golf, and uh, the the numbers show that. But uh, let's uh, let's talk about it next, right here on the ref. Back with you. It's the Gimme Zone. Our number one reacting to John Rom capturing his second major, the uh, Masters champion here in 2023. So just so I don't totally botch the way that you set this question up, Jackson, I'm going to let you reset it here. What did you ask about the the live-in PGA Tour coming out of the Masters? This was one of your, your takeaways. Sure, and I'll go ahead and ask this question, and I want to toss it over to Brian for answer number one here. But the question was, we got to, we got to see, you know, for the first time, the live and the PGA Tours pl- playing together. I mean, the top players from, from each league playing together at the Masters. And one of the things we saw is the golfers were just cheering for good golf. And they were cheering for the best play, and they were cheering for everybody to perform well. There was, at least seemingly on TV, from what we saw out of the spectators, not a whole lot of division. Patrons. Patrons, patrons excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. I don't want to get us in trouble with the Masters. No. Yeah. I, I, I may want to go upset. one day That's if, I get, fair. if I win the lottery, so I don't I don't want to get myself excluded beforehand. Okay. Patrons. Oh, all right. Patrons, excuse me. And let the record show that Augusta National can do no wrong on this uh, very here program. Fair. Concur. We all agree with that. We all agree. If they... When do we get our tickets for next year? <laughs> exactly. Let's skip the lottery. Come on. No. And, and don't tune in for later next hour when... And, uh, I don't know, we find something that we don't like about Augusta National. Just tune that segment out exactly. when uh, examining for lottery tickets. All that in the bu- all that by and by. The question was, okay, we're seeing all this. How big is the divide between the PGA and the Live really? Because we didn't see too much of it. The players didn't seem – either they were being cordial and they were being professional for everybody, or they honestly just like each other. And just wanted to go out and see everyone play their best golf. So, Brian, I want to toss it over to you. How big is the division between the the Live and the PGA, really? The division was huge on Thursday and Friday because the pairings were a layup for all of the PGA Tour guys. They got to play with their buddies. I was wondering when we were going to talk about you that. You knew I was bringing that oh, up yes. at some point. It was just the time. So, yes, it was big on Thursday and Friday. I didn't sense it when I when you'd see on the range, we'd watch the Masters app. I didn't sense that there was any difference. I mean, I'm not talking about the commentators. The commentators, you know, clearly had their biases, and that's fine. They're paid by that entity, so great. But the reality is I didn't see it. Now, Josh, it would have been really interesting if Kepka or 
Phil, probably Kepka more so than Phil. I think younger Phil, star. I think Phil has a. I mean, I think has a place in most people's hearts from what he's done in golf so far. Had Kepka won, he's a little bit more on the edge because of the full swing documentary on Netflix and all that. Would he have been? warmly received at 18 and during the ceremony had he won I think so yeah I I think now golf fans on social media and beyond no I don't think so but actually on site at Augusta National by the patrons that that were there and the actual you know members of Augusta National Yes, I think on site he would have I, I think he would have gotten a warm reception. Now, privately, would they have been as happy as they were with as John Rahm as a champion? No, absolutely not. I, I don't believe so. Well, it hurts the narrative, right? And you know, you excluded social media, and we should, because everybody on social media, unless they're on our social media here at KREF, <laughs> right. are clowns, right? So for the most part, yes. Um, and excluding social media and those comments is perfect. I do think you you hit on a great point, though, Josh, is privately they'd have been, this is kind of hurting our narrative. But it's going to happen. Don't you feel like it's going to happen this year that, that one of the live guys is going to win a major? Uh, man, if if the Masters is any indication, absolutely. I mean, my if I were if I were uh, putting money on it, I would say probably the U.S. Open is going to be the one a live guy is going to win, just because I think outside of outside of the Masters, I mean the U.S. Open is the hardest tournament in golf. Period. I mean, just by far. I mean, Kepka's won that thing twice. Exactly. Back and to back you. I mean, take Louis Oosthuizen, who's been there multiple times. I mean, I mean, very much in contention. I mean. I don't want to say Phil is going to go out and win it because he's got the. Oh man, that would be that would be great. That would that would be a storyline. Oh, right that'd there. be the perfect Phil, story. Phil Mickelson, now a live tour member, goes out wins the U.S. Open, completes There's, the career grand slam oh, at man, Los Angeles Country Club here, twenty twenty three. Oh, it is even, Los Angeles Country Club. That's a course that that he likes. Yes, it is. And so you notice he didn't back down at all when they were trying to spin it. That oh, you had a nice round today. He's like, no, no, no. I've been playing well for a long time. My scores have not shown it, but I've lost this weight, I'm in better shape, and I've really been striking the ball well, mm-hmm. is what he said. And then and they were like they tried to poo-poo it into, oh, you had a nice, you know, one off round here. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, I think my game's where I want it to be for the rest of the year, which was telling to me. Hmm. Which I think it's no coincidence that going into this tournament, it was Phil that was really under the microscope, especially I mean Fred Couples made that made that comment about, hey, if the Liv wants to go out there and pay Phil millions of dollars to shoot 74s and 75s. Now, he didn't say Phil. He said a 52-year-old. He tried to be PC. <laughs> we know he meant Phil. Well, we all know he meant Phil, but have the you-know-whats to come out and say, say it if, that, if that's what you're going to say, right? Exactly. But here's the thing. You went out there and said that, and Phil goes out there and posts a – I mean, he, he was one over going into round four. And he goes out there, shoots eight under, goes goes to seven under for the day. Excuse me. He was one under, and he went, no. One under. Went yeah, he was one, one under, and he dropped to 65. Dropped, dropped to 65, so seven. now he's there. Yeah. So he Lowest went, round of the day, by the way. Uh, yes, very much so the lowest round of the day. I don't think that's any coincidence that Phil kind of got a kind of got a spark this week and kind of put kind of put some of the 
animosity to rest a little. Not the animosity, but some of the, the circulating bad stuff going around him to rest. I mean, he's going out and he's elastic. He looks good. And finally, his putter is starting to wake up on a golf course he's obviously had some success at in the past. Please, please don't get me hopeful that Phil Mickelson has any realistic chance at the U.S. Open. I'm not at don't, all insinuating. Don't, don't do that to me. I'm not and at all insinuating. Don't even put that in the atmosphere. He's that torturing is such a good, you. That is such a good story. I'd be so here for but it. But here's the thing, Josh. I, I put it in your head, and I used a good logic to put it there, too. Oh, You're going to be thinking about it until the U.S. Open is concluded now. Hey, and You're Josh, welcome. he took another shot at me on this Louis Oosthaven deal. Who was on my team and didn't make the cut again? <clears throat> shot and, 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 eight and, over. Yeah. And, shot and, eight over. Yeah, by the way, any W deed. Yep, <laughs> just like Eldrick Tiger Woods. Did anybody think he was going to finish that tournament when he was not in contention? Oh, the the video that circulated, uh, I forget who put it out there, but the one video of him in the fairway, guys, it looked so bad. He was he was in pain. Looked he, like he needed a wheelchair, didn't it? it I don't even want to. Yes, it did. It, I I don't even want to poke fun at it. it. It it might be time for him to just hang it up. That if I don't know. This is its own discussion. It could be its own segment, Tiger Woods discussion. So let's let's do that next. But just in closing on the whole live versus PGA thing, and is it real? Is it too pronounced? I do think that there's some pretty sincere animosity from golf fans. Now, I think we were able to put that aside at at a tournament like the Masters, and I don't think you know nobody. Nobody, for the most part, you'll get the old heave-ho if you're the opposite. Nobody's going to be a jerk, for the most part, at a green jacket ceremony if it's a live champion. But uh, I do think there's some juice to it, and I do think it's here to stay. I think there's some hurt feelings from certain fans. Social media, I get it. Yeah, that's some some crazy wahoos uh, out there. But to me, to me, that's uh, that's an indication of how some folks feel but that being said, the ratings indicate, oh, baby, it's good for golf. Because hey. guess what? The the largest of any golf telecast in five years, 12 million peaked at 15. And, oh, by the way, the end of the tournament stunk. Up 19% year over year, right? So think about this. Ask yourselves. I'm going to ask both of you guys for your comments on this. If Kepka had won... Would he have said anything? I think he would have danced on the graves, yes. Oh, he absolutely would have said something. He's he's the kind of guy, he's he's going to poke the iron in the fire. He's and he's got to bite his tongue to. and be humble because he got humbled. <laughs> but absolutely, I think he was going to say something. Even though he didn't wear his gear. You know, he was one of the only ones not wearing his team his team uh, markers, so. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. I wonder why that is. Yeah, that was interesting. I found that interesting. But I, I don't think he would have said anything that day, but I think maybe that night after a cocktail or two or ten, maybe, he probably would have put something out on social media and would have been dancing on those Gu- graves like Guess these live about. golfers could play a little bit. He's so unapologetic. I mean, he's going to go out there. I mean, he made the – he by his acclamation, he made the right decision. And so he's going to go out there. He's not going to shy away from it. He's not going to lie to your face about it. I mean, he's going to go out there and say, hey, this is one This is one for the league. Maybe they'll start paying attention to us now. He's going to throw a shot. He'll throw a jab. Maybe it's, it won't be directed at anybody in particular, but it will be thrown at the organization in general if he goes out and win it. He just strikes me as petty enough to, yeah, absolutely would have said something. 
Well, so the bigger question, I think you're right too, Josh, by the way. Um, the bigger question, I guess, is if this trend continues for the rest of this year, does it put pressure on the PGA Tour to find some way to, I guess, find some common ground, I guess, is the is the easiest way to put it. There's so much good golf discussion from this Masters. We got to take a break. A little Tiger Woods next. I want to hit on that, too. Don't lose sight of that. Let's, let's have that for hour two. We haven't even talked about Rory McIlroy, the crybaby, yet this morning. We have to dive into that. So there's a lot going on here on the Gimme Zone. Tiger Woods next. Close it up. Hour number one is the Gimme Zone right here on the rep. Talking so much in the world of golf. It's it's a buzzing, it's a booming after the uh, Masters. John Rahm crowned as uh, your new green jacket holder, your new Masters champion. Tiger Woods, what, what do you guys make of the, the week that was physically, gosh, it's just another one of those weeks to where, Brian, I mean, some of the videos that were circulating of him trying to walk the course, it's like part of it. Part of it makes you wonder, okay, is there a little bit that he's putting on here because he's playing poorly? That's that's in my mind somewhere, right? But generally speaking, I just think this is a broken down man physically, and it's amazing. It's amazing that he went and made the cut, and mentally he's got that ability to grind and fight, but it's just sad at this point. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody out there that's a, a comic book fan, but it's like... It's like the old Batman. Dude, hang it up. It's time for Robin. It's time for Nightwing. You're not Batman anymore. You can't go fight crime anymore. It's over. You're done. Well, I, I do think, and I don't know if it has to do with him being out of contention, but the two times we've seen the exacerbated limps when he's out of contention have both been when the weather turned cold on him. And if you've got a bad joint they do tend to stiffen up and tighten up when it gets super cold. It happened at Southern Hills, you know, on that Saturday when it got cold and wet, and it clearly happened at Augusta when it was cold and wet. So, you know, the limp did get worse as it went on, but I, I'm here to tell you, um, I think I'm with you, Josh. He's broken down, and, and I just don't know as he can physically walk it. I mean, look at this video, Jackson. This is from Reflog18, who posts a bunch of – just different sports videos. Actually, is a, a really good Twitter follower if you're just looking for all sorts of sports content. But, I mean, this this limp right here from Tiger Woods, it's like it looks like a, an 85-year-old man walking the golf course. Yeah. And um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Are you taking a shot at me now, Josh? No. I, <laughs> take some of the heat off me. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's just sad, isn't it? it, it it's sad in, on a lot of different ways because you don't want to see – you don't want to see the great man go out and just – you know, suffer. You don't want that. I mean, he's 82 victories, 15 majors later. He doesn't have anything else to prove. I mean, he's gone out and he's done everything that he can in the world of golf. He's, you know, he's beaten Jack in normal wins and he's tied Sam Snead in normal wins. And he's as close as anybody has ever gotten to tying Jack for majors. I mean, you don't have to get them all. It's okay to save your body. Go out there and Keep what's left of your body. I mean, you've got a family, you got kids, and you want to spend some time with them and, you know, on your own two feet. Like, I don't understand why he is subjecting himself to all of this, knowing full well 
how much pain he's in. Because if you if you see him during the practice rounds, he's wearing those shorts, but he's also wearing those leggings that are skin tight to his leg. Take a look at that left leg. I mean, it is not in good shape. I mean, it is very definitely been worked on, and it's 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 painful for him to walk. His whole body, Jackson. Yes, his whole has body has been worked on. Certainly, but his leg right now. I mean, it's it's the leg that's given him the most issues, and it is just we nobody. I I say this out of love for the man, not because I want to see him never play again. The guy needs to, the guy needs to really think about what he wants. For his kids, does he want to be confined, I mean, to the wheelchair and to crutches and all that, be bedridden because he's in so much pain? I would rather see him get worked on, go out and play in the PNC Father-Son Championship with Charlie and getting Charlie ready for whatever he wants to be doing in the world of golf. I would rather see him spending time with his kid than going out and trying to break records, trying to catch Jack. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, Brian, let's just get it out in the open. He's not catching Jack. It's over. It's over. Ship sailed. And, you know, he said he wouldn't play if he didn't think he could win. He, I mean, looking at him, he can't, he can't honestly think he can win. Seriously? I mean, come on. He's smart. He's not – I mean, I wonder – and this is a whole other question that we can hit at the top of the next hour – is, yes, he made his cut. It was 23 in a row, tied the record or broke the record, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the final record he wants? Is that Was that the final record he wanted? And – did his good buddy JT, who knew right where Tiger was, throw off so that Tiger would make the cut? Well, and if he did, it might not have been uh, as nice of a gesture as initially he thought it was. But, uh, man, it's just, gosh, it's tough. Hey, that's it for hour number one. Rory McIlroy, we got to have the discussion next right here on The Ref.